Last week we talked about the promises of the birth of Christ. Today we'll talk about the literal <clears throat> and the actual birth of Jesus and uh, how it's recorded in the scriptures and things. And hopefully you've got some interesting things to pass along to you here. So when I point to it, you'll know you've got a handout and wherever I point, you'll know where I'm pointing to. Praise the Lord. I want to <clears throat> start here by the number one here, reading this first paragraph up here and then getting into some scripture here. And I want you to notice what it says. Only two of the gospel writers in the New Testament records Jesus' birth. Only two gospel writers records it. I think the reason for it is because the crucifixion of Christ, the price that he paid on Calvary, that was the important thing of Jesus' coming. And so the birth of Christ was not considered by some of the gospel writers as being that pertinent as it was why, why Jesus came and who he came for and so forth. And so uh, <clears throat> uh, two of the gospel writers write it, Jesus' birth and the surrounding events, Matthew and Luke, are those two writers that wrote the book, the gospel books. Each gave a somewhat different account than the other one did. Each one gave a different account. I'm going to bring that out and why. Here is what each emphasized and why. A, Luke's gospel. Luke's gospel. We're going to be looking at Luke's gospel here. He records God's way in which he used Mary to bring forth the Messiah. And he talks more about Mary's side of the whole thing, where Matthew talks a lot about Joseph's side of it, even though Joseph was not Jesus' father, earthly father. Uh, he talks about Joseph because of Joseph's direct descendants from, Jacob, from, uh, from uh, David, and as Mary was also. And so uh, Luke here talks about uh, Mary's side of the birth of Christ, and then I want to start with number one here, and that is the one right here. The angel Gabriel appears to Mary, and I want you to turn with you to Luke chapter one, and uh, we're going to be looking here at verse 26. Now it starts out by saying in the sixth month, the sixth month was uh, the sixth month since Elizabeth, her cousin, had been visited by an angel and said that she would have a uh, a son, and to the brother, well, it was more to her husband, uh, and uh, that they, they would have a son and in their old age, and he, his name would be John the Baptist. He would become John the Baptist. So, John the Baptist was a distant cousin to Jesus in the sense that Mary and Elizabeth were cousins to each other. So, anyhow, I'll just leave that. So, when it says in the sixth month, it's springing off of the fact that it was six months. Uh, the time Elizabeth was pregnant now with John the Baptist, that Mary was visited by an angel. Look at this very closely here, verse 26. Now, I'm in uh, Luke 1, 26. And in the six months, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth. 
That's up in the northern part of Israel. To a virgin, a spouse to a man whose name was Joseph. Notice here, a spouse means they were engaged to be married, but they were not yet married. To a virgin, she was still a virgin. A spouse to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. Joseph was of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail thou that are highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Now, apparently, she was in her house, and this guy just walks in. He doesn't have big wings like this and big halo over his head like you see pictures of and everything. He just looks like an ordinary guy that just walks in and says, Hey, Mary, hi. So she's nothing unusual about him, and she says, Oh, and she, she doesn't know quite know who he is, but he's, he knows her and so forth. And so it says, the angel, verse 28, eventually came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying. Because what, what does he mean by what he's saying? And cast in her mind what manner of salutations this should be. Salutation is like saying Hello. Then verse 30, and the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and shalt bring forth a son and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father, David his father, this will be Jesus' father, David, which implies that Mary, therefore, was also of the lineage of David, without, without question, because the child would be from Mary. And it, said, it goes on to say here, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. Of his kingdom there shall be no end. Now, uh, Going a little further, then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? The angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come, shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. So this is how the angel Gabriel appeared unto Mary to tell her that she was going to have a child even though uh, she was a virgin, and of course the Bible had also pronounced in the Old Testament that she was a virgin, and that she was also a son of David. If you've, uh, this is not in your scriptures, but if you look at Psalms 132.11, 132.11, just for a minute, this is a, uh, just a backup proof here that uh, indeed that Jesus, that, uh, Jesus, that Mary was a direct descendant of David, is just a backup for the Lord has sworn in truth unto David. He will not turn from it of the fruit of thy body will I set upon thy throne. So I'm just pointing that out. And this is only one of other scriptures in the Bible to show that it was prophesied that Jesus would be of, of, of David. And of course, Mary, therefore, had to be of David also. And then when you look at the genealogy, and we talked about that last week, the genealogy of, of Joseph 
genealogy of Mary. Mary is recorded in Luke, Luke Luke's genealogy, and uh, jo and Joseph's genealogy is recorded in Matthew. I won't go any further than that. But Luke deals specifically with God's relationship with Mary on the promise that this baby would be born and how it would be born and so forth. And so this is all recorded here in the work of the, in the, in the, in the uh, scriptures here. Now, Mary visits her cousin Elizabeth. Whenever she finds the angel visits her, uh, she goes to her because the angel told her that your cousin Elizabeth is also has had a visit from the Lord and so forth. So verse 39, I'm jumping at 39 to save time. I'm still here in Luke 1, 39. And Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste into the city of Judea, into the city of Judah, a city of Judah. Now she went down into the south country, uh, went south where she was, where she was and entered into the house of Zacharias, that was the husband of this Elizabeth, and saluted Elizabeth. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, hello, Elizabeth, hello, uh, salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. This doesn't mean she's filled permanently like you and I are filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost but it moved upon her. The Bible said the holy men of old spake as they were moved on the whole, by the Holy Ghost. Uh, prophecy came to those prophets when the Holy Ghost would move on them and they would speak forth the word of God. But as far as being filled with the Holy Ghost and having the baptism of the Holy Ghost, uh, that never came until the New Testament. So whenever she was moved on by the Holy Ghost or filled, she was filled with the Holy Ghost and for that moment. And this is what happened when she was 42. She spake out with a loud voice and said, blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And then she went on to say, I felt the babe leap, verse 44, for lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. So they, these two women had conversation among themselves how God was going to use them to bring forth one John the Baptist from Elizabeth and the other would be Jesus Christ from Mary. And they talked about it. I want to say this for what it's worth to all you ladies here. It's amazing to me how God sometimes deals with the women before he does the men. It's amazing sometimes how he does. Deals, he dealt with these women before the men knew anything about what was going on here. He's talking to these women about the coming of Christ, the birth of Christ, and so forth. Praise the Lord. So I'm just giving you sort of heads up on some things here about uh, how all of these things sort of manifest themselves. Praise the Lord. Okay, I'm going to move on here then. And uh, if you look at B here, Matthew now, Matthew's gospel. I want you to go to uh, Matthew chapter one here. Now, here is how Matthew deals with this uh, promise of the Lord's coming. And I'm in uh, Matthew one. I'm going to read the 18th through the 25th verses here. And... Uh, Matthew's gospel, if you look at B, uh, if you read just above it here, B, Matthew's gospel, it says, uh, Matthew's gospel, he records how God spoke to Joseph and used him to protect Mary and to maintain her honor. So I'm going to read these scriptures here. So when the Lord started dealing with Mary, that you're going to have a baby and so forth, the Lord also dealt with Joseph because Joseph was 
her espoused husband. They had not come together. They were espoused. They were like being engaged, but it was a more of a commitment to marriage than just being engaged as we know it today. It was almost like it was a, a bond between them, but it was no commitment until after the final uh, act of marriage was performed with uh, a, a, a committed uh, group uh, couple like that. Now look at verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise when as his mother Mary was a spouse to Joseph. That means she was engaged to him, going to get married and was committed to him before they came together. That means before they had slept together. She was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Oh, she's going to have a child. Now she's pregnant. And Joseph said, I'm going to marry this woman. She's supposed to be a virgin, but she's pregnant. And so here's what Joseph said in verse 19. Joseph, her husband, being a just man, he was a good man, not willing to make her a public example, not to bring her before the men in the street and down at the gate and where all the officials were and throw her down and said, this woman's supposed to be going to be my wife and here she's been with another man, you know, all that kind of stuff. He wasn't going to do that. He said he was not going to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. Put her away means he would like divorce or break off the engagement, say forget about it, you know. You go on your way, I'll go on my way, but do it privately so he would not embarrass her before everybody else. So he was a good man in that respect. So he was thinking about how to do this. Look at verse 20. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Now, before I go any further, I can show you four places in the Bible where God appears to Joseph, always in a dream. This is interesting. When he appeared to Mary, the one who was going to carry the child, give birth to the child, the angel walked into the door and sat down there and said, hey, Mary, I got news for you. I want to talk to you. It was a person there, right there before her eyes. But with Joseph, every time the Lord spoke to him, it was always in a dream, always in a dream. You say, what's that mean, anything, Lord? It just means that the Lord knew that with Mary, it had to be so very definite that you could reach out and touch somebody. Where with Joseph, being in a dream, praise the Lord, that's how God would speak to him. So four times God spoke to him in a dream. Another time was over in 2.13. When they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. This is 2.13 of Matthew. And then in 2.19, but when Herod was dead, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt when he had gone down there. I'll talk about that in a few minutes. Verse 22, and when the when he heard of Archelaus did reign in Jerusalem in the room of his father Herod, he was afraid to go thither. And notwithstanding, being warned of God in a dream. I'm just pointing this all out. Four times God appeared to Joseph, always in a dream. And it's amazing that the dream was adequate. Joseph said, that's all I need, Lord. You show me the dream. And it starts. I want to pick up then where I left off here. And... Uh, and the Lord said to him in this 20th verse, when he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David. Now, Joseph was also a son of David. Fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. Now, he told her that in the dream. She shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, 
for he shall save his people from their sins. Now, <clears throat> one word here. The word Jesus means Jehovah is salvation or Jehovah as savior. The word Jesus means that. Praise the Lord. The word that uh, uses the word uh, Lord here is shall save his people from their sins. Name should be called Jesus for his And so Jesus, when the, when the Lord gave Jesus that name, Jesus, it meant that the great I am that had appeared to Abraham, I mean to Moses in the wilderness, the great I am, and he asked him, what's your name? He said, my name is I am. I am that I am, so forth. That I am, praise the Lord, when it's translated, I am as savior. I am a savior or I am as a savior. Praise the Lord, is Jesus. And uh, is, uh, it can be pronounced all kind of different ways, Yahweh and so forth. But Jesus is the way it is in our English language. And uh, I think Jesus pronounced Yahweh. Is that right? Yahweh in, 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 in uh, Spanish? In, in Spanish? Okay, Yahweh, I think is right. Anyhow, it's not Yahweh. It's, it's uh, Jesus. Jesus. I'm sorry. Jesus in Spanish. All right, let me move on here. So verse 21 says, name should be Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. This is why the great God of heaven came to this world to pay the supreme sacrifice on Calvary. In verse 22, now all of this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of by the, by the Lord to the prophet saying, verse 23, behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Jesus was God with us. He was God on earth. Then Joseph being raised from sleep, he was, he had, the Lord showed us in a dream, raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife. He went ahead and married and knew her not. They did not come together. Knew her not till... She had brought forth her firstborn son and he called his name Jesus. So this is Matthew's approach to it. And Matthew, of course, gives the approach because Matthew, praise the Lord, and further on brings out the, 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 the deity, I mean, the majestic side of Christ. Now, uh, note here that the angels always appear to Joseph in a dream. I'm going to go to number two here. The actual birth of Christ now. Stay with me on this. Everybody still with me? This is the actual birth. I'm going back to Luke now. And we'll go to Luke chapter 2. Going back to Luke chapter 2. Praise God. All right. Now, I'm not going to read the first two verses because it talks about how Caesar Augustus out a tax and everybody had to be taxed. So Mary and Joseph had to go from Nazareth, which is about 70 or 75 miles down to Bethlehem. They went from a Northern Israel down into Southern Israel uh, to be taxed. So they had to journey that far. How did they journey? Uh, probably a donkey and she sat, you know, sideways on a donkey and they packed all of their stuff. They didn't just take overnight clothes with them. They took all kinds of clothes and uh, packed up and put it all on that donkey and they headed out because 
They knew the taxation may take some time and they probably had plans to be there for a while, maybe, because they knew she was in the family way. So they took off. Here's verse three. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. That's why this next phrase, and Joseph also went up from Galilee. Anytime you go toward Jerusalem, you always go up in the Bible. Even though it's south, you go up. With us, everything on a map, everything north is up and everything south is down. But in the Bible, everything toward Jerusalem is always up. So in Nazareth, even though you're up more up in the hill country, uh, and Jerusalem is further south and so forth, you still, you still go up when you head, go toward Jerusalem. And they had to go past Jerusalem, just south of Jerusalem to Bethlehem, just a few miles south of there. All right. It says that they, he went to Nazareth and to Judea, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. Again, this is speaking here of, uh, of, of, of uh, Joseph. To be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, and I look at this very closely, folks. This is the Christmas story right here in just two sentences. So it was while they were there that days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son in a nice plush hotel where they were staying. Is that what it says? Huh? She brought forth her firstborn son. It doesn't say they went there and then she brought forth her son. It just says that she brought forth her son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes. Swaddling clothes are strips of cloth that women would usually wrap a newborn baby in. It was strips of cloth that they would, they would strip up. She probably had brought this with her knowing that her time was close and she didn't know how long she'd be gone. So she may have brought some of these what's so-called swaddling clothes that clothes that they wrap newborn babies in. So I've been reading and I've read in other writings about that period of time. And it says here, and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. A manger? What's going on here? A manger is a, it's a trough to feed goats and sheep out of a little trough thing. They put hay and stuff in because there was no room for them in the end. And all of a sudden here in one little sentence, you get the birth of Christ and the fact that he is born in a stable where there was cattle and sheep and goats and who knows chickens. Well, I don't know what all was in that room, that little stable. And then there was a little trough there, a feeding trough for the sheep and thing. And when the baby was born, she wrapped him in these swaddling clothes and laid him in this thing because there was no room when they had come to the inn and the, and the, care, and the innkeeper said, I'm sorry, we're out of room, no room. There's no more rooms in the whole town. Everybody's come in here to pay taxes. So there's no room, sorry. And you can stay out in the back in the, in the uh, cow shed if you want to, but that's all I got. You're welcome to stay there. So that's where they spent the night and that's where the baby was born and Jesus was born in that kind of an environment. Now, I said this last week and I'm gonna say it here again, Lord, uh, folks, that the Lord 
showed us and shows us in the scriptures that he came humbly to this world. He came humbly to this world. That's why there's no place in our lives for arrogancy and, and high-mindedness and pride. Jesus himself came in such a humble way so that the lowest of any of us could relate to how he was born and how he came into this world and how he was put in a manger in a horse stable and there's no pride or arrogance or high-mindedness about him in his birth. And I just want to say here today that the Lord did that for us, for us. We, praise the Lord, might know that I don't care where you came from, I don't care what your background is, I don't care how poor you were, I don't care how forsaken you were, the Lord still cares about you and he understands. He understands. Praise the Lord. And I say this for anyone else that might be watching us here on the internet, that God understands our situation and he understands everything about us and he wants you to know that he does and that he is willing, praise the Lord, to reach down and help us and to help the poor, praise the Lord. So Jesus came and uh, a very humble birth, the poor can relate. Uh, in Mark twelve thirty-seven, if... Uh, if I can just turn there a minute, Mark 12, 40, 37, it says this. This is just a verse. David therefore himself called him Lord, and whence, this is Jesus talking, and whence is he then his son? And the common people heard him gladly. Now, the, the first part of 37 is the words of Jesus, but the last sentence, and the common people heard him gladly, common people. My old pastor, when I was a kid growing up in Pensacola, Brother D.L. Welch, <clears throat> he used to say, the poor heard him gladly. He always said the poor heard him gladly. And he preached to the poor. And that's what my people were. They were just poor people. They were farmers. They were fishermen. They were construction workers, whatever it was and everything. They were just poor people. But God saved them. Many of them went on to become very well off in life in the later years because they worked hard and they lived for God and so forth. But I'm just pointing out to you here how that uh, God came to the common people and he used to say that. Verse 41, and Jesus said, look at this one. This is verse 41, I'm still here in Mark 12. And <clears throat> Jesus said over against the treasury and behold how the people cast money into the treasury and many that were rich cast in much. And there came a certain <coughs> poor widow and she threw in two mites which made a farthing farthing and he called unto him his disciples and said unto them look what Jesus said about this woman now did he say now what she threw in don't amount to anything I don't even know why she wasted her time he didn't say that he called unto him his disciples and said unto them verily I say unto you that this poor widow hath cast in more than all they which have cast into the treasury for all they did cast in of their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. So Jesus refers <coughs> to this poor woman. I don't know anything about who she was after that, but I imagine she became a child of God somewhere in there. The Lord probably saved her. She might've been part of that early church, you know, 
I'm just trying to say here that God cares about the poor. And so whenever it's mentioned here about how he was wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in a manger, the Lord wants us to know, and there was no room for them. And even the inn, it wasn't a swanky hotel or anything like that. It was just the inn. It was where people stayed when they traveled. There was no room in there for them. All right. Look at verse eight. I'm going to jump to verse eight because here's what happened when Jesus was born in the horse, in the, in the, in the animal stable and laid in a manger. Here's what happened. They were in the same country. This is when Jesus was born now. Shepherds abiding in the field. God seems to have always loved the shepherds. Praise the Lord. They looked after the sheep and they were a type of, of, of uh, like David was and people who look, and even ministers who look after the congregation. We're like sheep. They're like our shepherds, under shepherds. Jesus Christ, the Bible says, is the great shepherd. In other places, he is the good shepherd. So anyhow, there were country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. <clears throat> and lo, this is out in the hillsides of Bethlehem. And lo, the angel of the Lord came unto them. Look at that. Now the angel appears to these shepherds. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. It doesn't say the angel. Around about the angel, it shone around about them. The angel appeared and all of a sudden there was a glow of light all around them. They were in the dark and now it's all light. I'm sure it was coming from the angel, but who knows? And it shone all about them and they were sore afraid and they were shaking in their boots. And the angel said unto them, fear not, for behold, I bring you glad tidings of great joy. Thou shalt, uh, which shall be to all people. I want you to notice the, the statement, all people. Jesus' coming was to all people, everybody. Praise the Lord. So it says, for good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. All people. Praise the Lord. I'm going to jump over here very quickly to verse 31 which thou hast prepared before the face of all people to lighten the light of the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel, verse 32. I jumped over to verse 31, 32 and read that. So that Jesus' coming would be to all people, not just to the Jews only, but his earthly ministry would be to the Jews, but his coming would be to all people. So it says, great joy in the light of the earth. Let me finish right here. Uh, and this shall be a sign, verse 12, this shall be a sign unto you, you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly, look at this now, close. Suddenly, there was with the angel, one angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts. This is a bunch of angels, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away, they all went away now, from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. Let us go there and see that. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger, lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, 
they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. Praise the Lord. And uh, so they went all over the place and they told everybody about it. And this is how the actual birth of Jesus took place and how it all happened. Now, I'm gonna move on here. There was no room in for them to end, the shepherds in the fields. Jesus then on the eighth day was circumcised and named. Before, I want you to go to Luke uh, 22, 21. Look at verse 21. They're still in Bethlehem now. Now, they didn't stay in the manger all this time. They, from there, went in and found a house and went into it. Later on, it reveals that they were in a house in, in Bethlehem. So when they were still in Bethlehem, when the eight days were accomplished for the circumcision, for, for circumcision circumcised the child, his name was called Jesus. The Jews, but because of Abraham to Isaac, they always circumcised and named the child, the male child, at eight days, on eight days old. And so they did so with Jesus here, named him and named it. And, uh, and which was named of the child that was received. Verse 22, and when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, which was 33 more years, uh, 33 more days, uh, according to the law of Moses, were accomplished, uh, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Now, he was brought to Jerusalem then 30, actually 40 days after his birth. So he was finally brought to Jerusalem after that period of time. And in there, there was, whenever he, they were brought there and sort of dedicated to the Lord in the sense that said, we want him to be belong to God and so forth. Uh, that's whenever Simeon, a man, came up and said, God has shown me that I would not see his Christ child until I, until I would not die until I'd seen his Christ child. So now I've seen him, praise the Lord, and he worshiped God. And uh, then he went on to say, uh, pointed out, and then finally another one, another Hannah, Anna. Uh, she was also, verse 36, Anna was a prophetess and a daughter of so-and-so in the tribe of, of Asher and so forth. And she was also a very, very old age, about 106 years old. And then she uh, came and she also said, I've seen the blessings of the Lord and God has now sent his Christ. So two people came into that temple when Jesus was brought there. And he was about, uh, like I say, he was about uh, 33, 33 days old here at this point. Now, I won't go any further into that, only to say that Luke's here talks about this. And, uh, and then verse 39 says, and when they had performed all these things according to the law of Moses, they returned into Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. Now, when you read, when you read in Matthew, Matthew talks more from the majestic side of Jesus, the majestic side how that he would be king of kings and he was the king of the Jews. So when it talks about his birth, it talks about Joseph talking to him. And uh, then I'm gonna go very quickly here to the part about Matthew. Matthew's account is more uh, majestic with emphasis on Jesus as the new king. Look at Matthew two and one. Look at this with me. Now, the Lord had appeared, if we were to read that first verse again, we're not gonna read it again, but the Lord appeared unto Joseph and said, Mary's gonna have a son, his name is gonna be Jesus, and uh, thou shalt call his name Jesus, 
and it shall be Emmanuel, God with us, so forth. Now verse two, verse one of chapter two. Now we're in Matthew two and one. This is out of Luke now. And when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judah in the days of Herod the king, all right? Behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem saying, where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. And uh, then this troubled the king and the king said, who, who is this? And he brought the wise men in and who is it? I won't read all this. And he said, who is it? They said that according to the scriptures that a king would be born in Bethlehem. So they went to Bethlehem trying to find Jesus so they could kill him. This was, this is Harry now. And the Lord in the meantime had appeared unto Joseph, or Joseph to take the baby and him. And this is days now, days. They're in a house. The Bible even says they were in a house whenever the wise men came. And it took the wise men, I don't know how long, weeks, maybe even months to come there. They came from the east. And uh, from Babylon over to Jerusalem, I know in one place in the Old Testament, it took them seven months to make the trip from over in Babylon over to Israel, on camels and walking and so forth, carrying their luggage and other big caravans and so forth. It took them seven months to do it. Now, whether it always took that long, I don't know. But let me just say it was weeks and weeks that passed. So Mary and Joseph were still in Bethlehem in a house whenever the wise men came to look for them. And so old King Herod said, find out where this, where this king's supposed to be born. And they told him, according to the scriptures, he's supposed to be born in Bethlehem. So he sent down to Bethlehem to have all the babies killed. Now everybody killed. Well, in the meantime, the Lord appeared again to those, to those wise men. And those wise men went to Bethlehem found Jesus because the star that had appeared unto them was there over the house. They went in, they brought him to all these gifts that they brought him. They brought him gold and they brought him frankincense and they brought him myrrh. They named three gifts. It doesn't say how many wise men, but there were three gifts that are mentioned. So we always think of three wise men, but it could have been five or six of them. It could have been four of them. Who knows how many there were. So anyhow, these wise men, he said, well, how is it that these wise men knew to come? The star showed them how they knew the star was to be for Jesus. Well, because the Jews at one time had been in captivity in Babylon and they may have passed along all of this information about the coming of their Messiah one day and that he would be born and he would be a star. And I won't get into all the details on that, but there's a lot of understanding about it. But nevertheless, these wise men came Praise the Lord. And they went and they, and then whenever they had uh, seen Jesus, they brought him these gifts, myrrh and frankincense. This is in uh, Matthew 2 and uh, verses uh, 11 and 12. And I'll just read 13 now. When they were departed, uh, I'm sorry, verse 12, 12. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, because Herod said, when you find him, come back and tell me. When being warned of dream, they departed into their own country another way. They never went back to Herod. You know that. And uh, when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, take the child now 
and go down into Egypt. And he did, he took the child to go down to Egypt. So that when Herod sent killers to go into Bethlehem and kill all the babies that had been born recently, uh, they figured out how long they saw the star and how long it had been and all the babies had been born since that time. He had them all killed. Everything is very sad and it talks about it and it was even prophesied in the Old Testament that it would have and have and so forth. And then when Herod was dead at verse 19, but when Herod was dead, he died and sometime shortly after it. Uh, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared under a dream to Joseph in Egypt and told him now he could come out. So I'm just pointing out to you here that these people, praise the Lord, had this great experience of Jesus being born. So Jesus, then when Mary, when, when Matthew records about the wise men going back, then talks about Joseph and Mary coming out of Egypt and they decide now they're not gonna go back to Bethlehem, they're gonna go back to Nazareth, back to their home up in the north. And they went up there and this is where Jesus grew up and, and stayed there. One time when he was 12 years old, he went to Jerusalem and came back and so forth. And that's recorded in Luke. And then he was there until he was 30 years old. Now, priests never started their ministry until they were 30. John the Baptist started his 36 months later, Jesus began his ministry. And Jesus was not only the Messiah, but he was the high priest and he was the Lamb of God. He was everything, praise the Lord, folks. And he came to save us. Aren't you glad Jesus loved us? The Bible so God so loved the world that he gave. I don't care whether you're a poor man or a rich man. I want you to know that the gospel is for you. Anybody can be saved. Anybody can be saved. I don't care what your background is. I don't care who your mom and dad were. I don't care what kind of problems you've had in life. I don't care anything about all that. I know this, that Jesus loves us and wants us all to be saved. Don't let the devil talk you out of that. No way, no way, no way. Don't let him ever convince you the world is a fun place and all that kind of stuff. No, you say, Jesus, I love you. I'm gonna serve you and live for you. Folks, and it won't be long, the Lord's coming back. Coming back for a people that's without spot or wrinkle. In the meantime, let's get everybody we can saved. Let's get them into the church. We can get them at the foot of Jesus and Jesus will save them. All you have to do is get them, praise the Lord, into the presence of Almighty God and the Lord will do the work. Let's stand together and give him the praise and worship this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we love you so much.